message is pretty short and sweet today. Might only go for about 45 minutes or so. Just kidding. Lord, we want to thank you. We want to thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit. Lord, we thank you for, for the, the words that you are speaking, the things that you are saying, the things that you are doing. Lord, we thank you that you are restoring all things. That what we read in the book of Acts is not just something that we read from 2,000 years ago, but there's a restoration of all things that is happening. The love is increasing in people's hearts. The miracles, the healings, the signs and wonders are increasing. That sense of the heart for the lost is increasing. We're seeing the restoration of all things. We're seeing the restoration of, of body ministry rather than just three or four people doing it. God, we thank you. But Lord, there's more. There's so much more. And our hearts are of thankfulness, but our hearts are for the more. Because, Lord, it's as we ask for the more, we know that your name is glorified. We know that your name is uplifted. And that's our heart, to lift Jesus up above this city, to lift Jesus up above this region, to lift up Jesus, that people would encounter you just like that woman at the well. So we say, Holy Spirit, take the word today and implant it in our hearts and, and continue to challenge us and encourage us and change us from glory to glory. Stir us up, Lord, to the love and good deeds that you have for each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't forget also that the Hub Bookshop is back open and, you know, prayer was out on the street talking to people about Jesus this week. Uh, Bruce always goes in on a Thursday and it's um, advertised a place of healing, uh, prayer and healing, which is awesome. Good to see Sharon here today too. She's got the, she's, you know, connected with us and she's out at Jin Jin with the uh, House of Prayer and Healing at Jin Jin and the team with, with Dave and Kay and everyone else that's out there. So it's awesome, isn't it, that God is... God is speaking to people about being his salt and light in community. Amen? So the message this morning is, what if? Because as I've already mentioned, you know, that one of the things that the Lord has been highlighting um, comes straight out, out of the book of Acts in chapter 1 in verse 8. I don't really know where we're going to go this morning, so we'll see what happens. Amen? You will receive power and the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses. Or it could be also be translated living testimonies. Who's alive right now? Who's got a pulse? Good. So you are a testimony of Jesus Christ. Amen. You are a testimony in some form. You, you are a testimony. You will be my living testimonies, my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And if we read the book of Acts, we see that's exactly what happened. The Holy Spirit was poured out. Yep, 3,000 people were added to the church that day, you know, and something, you know, erupted in that place. But it wasn't just a one-off event. It was a catalyst that led to more and more and more and more. And when the persecution happened in Jerusalem, you know, the enemy wants to try and do some stuff, but God uses it for good. People were dispersed out of there into the regions around there, and then with them they took the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so the gospel started to spread into the nations. And so in that same way, you know, God has been speaking about this is like our Jerusalem. This is where we planted. We've got Judea, we've got this whole region and beyond in Queensland that we live, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what if? I'm going to put some questions to you today because I think we need to answer them before God, amen? What if we took our eyes... 
please, please, please don't hear this wrong. When I say stuff, sometimes I go, oh, someone's going to mishear me. What if we took our eyes off the ends of the earth for a minute and put our eyes on this region? I'm not saying that a heart is not for the nations. Please don't hear that. Please don't hear that. But what if we said, what if we gave 2021 to Jesus and said, Lord, here we are right now. Here we are, living in Bundaberg, living in Wide Bay, living in this region. What if we said, here we are, right now, 2021. What a, you know, why put off tomorrow what you can do today? What if we said that? What if we realized that we are God's answers to the issues right here in this city? What if you began to realize that you are God's answer to the issues in this city? Yep. If every believer started to realize, you know what? We come from a place. We are born again, sons and daughters of the king. We are the kingdom of God. You know, we're part of the kingdom of God. And we have his anointing and his power and his authority. What if we are the answer? Rather than just solely praying. Rather than going, oh, Steve's good at that, so Steve could do that. Oh, Bruce's good at praying for, pray, praying for people. We'll just leave him to do that. What if we all started to realize that we are the answer to the issues? What if we believe that God can do anything? What if we believe that? What if we believe that God could do anything? And we, and we positioned ourselves in faith. What would that look like? What if we realized that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world? That we don't come under fear and we don't take part in apathy. But we realize that he is greater in us. And what if we all realize that I do have a purpose in God? Because you know what? A lot of people say that. But the rubber's got to meet the road somewhere. What if? There's probably a lot of other questions that I could ask. But what if? What if God was saying to us this year? What if? He said, give me 2021. Put away any distractions. Shake off any discouragement. And give me 2021 right here, right now, and see what I would do. What if? You see, right throughout Scripture... We see God work through people. Yes, he did his supernatural thing in, in terms of on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out and all kinds of other things. But he worked through people. He did his supernatural stuff through people. No? And he's looking for people today. He's looking for people today. Ordinary, everyday people. Well, that's the way the world views them. But God views them as his sons and daughters. Those that he's called and set apart and has a purpose for. In the same way, in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, it says, The eyes of the Lord are ranging to and fro from the earth, looking for hearts who are fully committed or devoted to him. We see Abraham. Abraham. You know, you look at Abraham. He lied. Because he was scared for his life. Did he really believe God at the start? Something happened in his encounter. Something happened. Because we know that he was credited as a man of faith and righteousness and he became the father of nations. Moses. Look at Moses. The one who beat the, the Egyptian with his own hands. Something happened in Moses. 
And reluctantly, he became the deliverer. David, the little shepherd boy out the back that his father even forgot about because he's looking at the appearance from the outside. He's looking at the tall ones and the strong ones. Have you got any more sons? Yeah, yeah, I've got one more son. He's out the back tending sheep. Bring him in. Ah, the Lord doesn't look at the outward things. He looks at the heart. Something happened. David became king. What a great king. Gideon, Esther, Joseph, the 12 disciples, the church as a whole, you name it. The Bible is full of people that encountered God and God worked supernaturally through. Are you with me? We're a bit quiet today. What's going on? Just, you're listening, are you? Okay, I'm just checking, radio. Everyday ordinary people in the eyes of the world that believed God and responded to an extraordinary God. The key is that we have to stop looking in the natural. And we have to start looking in the spiritual. We look at someone and we look at them in the natural and they go, oh, you know, this person's a bit like this or this person's like that. No, 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 Lord, give me eyes to see them the way you see them. When the Lord appeared to Gideon, as has already been mentioned, you know, oh, but you know, but I'm the weakest and the youngest and my family is this, uh, you're a mighty man of valor. What happens if we start to call out God in each person? What about if we start lifting each other up and we start encouraging each other? See, we, we, we've got to understand, we, you know, because people might go, oh, but you know, but that could get prideful. No, it won't because Jesus is at the center of it. Because it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm calling out who Christ is in you. I'm calling out Christ in you, the purposes and plans of God in you. And humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. So you're not the focus anymore. Who's the focus? Jesus. Who's the focus? Other people. That's, that's humility. Not putting yourself down. That's not humility. What if we started calling out God in each other? We have to stop looking in the natural. We have to look in the spirit. So let's, let's just look at a couple of examples of people that, you know, were looking in the natural, but then God did extraordinary things through in the spiritual. And I often when I do this, I like to look at an Old Testament person and a new and a new. Because, you know, I've met so many people that just throw away the Old Testament and say there's nothing we can learn from it. Which is really sad. So here's Moses in Exodus chapter 3. I'm not going to read the whole of chapter 3 and chapter 4 because maybe I might take 45 minutes or more if I do that. But here was Moses. And the Lord appeared to him. You know the story. Most of you probably know the story. The Lord appeared to him in the burning bushy and he had a counter. And in the midst of that, the Lord said to him, I have heard the groans of my people and I have come down to rescue them. And Moses was chosen. And so Moses goes all through this battle. Isn't it really interesting when you look at Moses, the fact that he was such, you know, he was so educated. He was so educated. He was a, such a well-educated man. You know, he was just right up with Pharaoh. You know, he was just, he was right there as he was taken into the household. He was so brashful. He was so like, when he saw the Egyptian beating his fellow Hebrew brother, he went in there, he just went straight in there, and he was like, bang, bang, bang. And he took it in his own hands. And he now, he knows something in that period in the wilderness, something took place in Moses' life. Because when the Lord appears to him, he says, you know, I'm sending you. He goes, mm, I can't do that. He didn't say those words, but he said that. 
Who am I? Who am I that I should go? Something had happened in his life. And the Lord said, I will be with you. (laughs) So it's not who am I, it's I will be with you. And then Moses said, if I go and say, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, what should I tell them? And God said, I am who I am. You know the story, the account. So there's all these questions. There's this questioning. Moses is questioning. And God is just responding. And he gets to chapter 4 and Moses says, what if, what if, what if, what if? What if they won't believe me and will not obey me but say the Lord did not appear to you? He's thinking in the natural. He's, He's recounting everything that he's seen and everywhere that he's been and something's going on. What if? And the Lord says to him, he says, which is such a great statement, what is that in your hand? Now we know the Lord said to throw down the staff and became a snake and all this kind of stuff. But what is in your hand? And I feel in the same way that the Lord wants to encourage us today, but also challenge us by saying, what is in your hand? What, what is it that the Lord has given you? You see, Moses was a shepherd. What a great choice. Obviously, God knows everything. What a great choice to be the shepherd of God's people through the wilderness. He'd been out in the desert. He'd been out in the wilderness. He's experienced. He led with a staff. And we know that when, when the leadership changed from Moses to Joshua, Joshua led with a sword. He was the captain of the army. And so he was the one that was needed to go in and go in ahead and take the land. But here's Moses. And the Lord says to him, what's in your hand? And the Lord is saying to, to all of us today, what is in your hand that I have given you? What is in your hand that I have given you? Now, New Testament. We'll turn to Matthew, chapter 14. And again, most of you will know this account. The feeding of the 5,000. When Jesus heard about it, that's what happened to John the Baptist, that is. He withdrew from there by boat to a, to a remote place to be alone. And when the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the towns. He went ashore and he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Amen. Compassion has to be the motivation. That's why you've got to get into the secret place. Because you get into the secret place with God, all of a sudden it's not about you, but it's about the love and compassion of Jesus Christ. Yeah. When evening came, the disciples approached him and said, This place is deserted, and it's already late. Send the crowds away so that they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. And Jesus said this. They don't need to go away. You can see the disciples going, Hang on a minute. We're a long way. And there's men, there's men and women, and, and, and there's children here, and it's like we're in the remote place, and what on earth is going on, Jesus? And he says, You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. I remember, I don't know whether she's here or not. Sorry if I, if I embarrass her, but I remember once I was in Hinkler having a coffee at Gloria Jean's, which I do every now and then, just every now and then. And Petronella comes running up to me. Is she here today? 
Sorry, Petrella. Bless you. She comes running up to me, and she says, Pastor Tim, Pastor Tim, Pastor Tim. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good thing, wasn't it? She, she comes up to me and says, the man down here, man, I can't remember exactly word for word, but he says, man down here, have heart issues, you need to come and pray. And I'm like, but I've just got my coffee. <laughs> okay. So Petra is kind of dragging me down, <laughs> down, down Hinkler. And I got to him and he's sitting there and I'm going, hey, how you feeling, mate? How you feeling? He goes, oh, I'm feeling a bit better now because she prayed for me. Yeah, chest pain. Yeah, yeah. You give them something to eat. Yeah? You give them something to eat. You have Christ in you, the hope of glory. You give them something to eat. That doesn't mean that we can't, you know, call on brothers and sisters and all that kind of stuff. But you, there's something that God has placed in you. You give them something to eat. See, so here's Jesus saying, you give them something to eat. And you can imagine, 5,000 people. So that's just men. So where's the, you know, the women and the children? How many was there? Was there 15,000 people? I mean, who knows? But there was a lot of people. And you can think, where on earth are we going to get this food from? Thinking in the natural. But we only have five loaves and two fish. Bring them here to me. That is the key. If you place what you have in the life of, in the hand of Jesus, he will multiply it. If you try and do it in your own strength, it just dry up. But you place what you have in the hand of Jesus and he will multiply it. Because he is the God of 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. He commanded the crowd to sit down in the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed them. He knew. Jesus knew. Jesus knew. And he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And everyone ate and was satisfied. Isn't that amazing? And in fact, there were 12 basketfuls of leftover pieces. Our God is a God of more than. So often we just look in the natural and we go, oh, I can't do that. Well, that person can't do that. What if we started to look in the Spirit? What if? What if we started to see with eyes of faith? What if? You see, the church is the body of Christ. Amen? The ecclesia, the called out ones, set apart for the purposes of God. But your body has, is, is meant to move. And every part is needed to help your body move. Amen? Every part has a function. Every part has a function. You know, I read, I read a quote. No, no, I didn't read a quote. Sorry. I was at the beach having a swim. It sounds like I've got a lifestyle of convenience. I go have coffee and I go for a swim. I very rarely get to the beach to have a swim, I must say. Uh, but the reason I've been going to the beach most days to have a swim is I've got this infected toe. And so the doctor says, just go for a swim at the beach and it'll help. Anyway, so that's what I'm doing. So that's why I was at the beach. Okay. Just put it out there. <laughs> ah. 
And the Lord said to me this, and I was like, whoa, this is in your face. This is actually really in your face. So I'm just pre-warning you. Only when you invest in something are you truly a part of it. Only when you truly invest in something are you truly a part of it. Whoa. So marriage, only when you truly invest in your marriage are you actually really a part of it. Otherwise, it's just a marriage of convenience. Yep. Relationship, when you invest in a relationship, you're actually, you know, best mates, bosom buddies, you know, whatever the case may be. When you invest in it, you're actually a part of it. They're not just a mate, but they are actually your mate. And then the Lord continues speaking to me. Only when you truly invest in His body, the church of Jesus Christ, are you truly a part of it. Only when you truly invest in the, in the kingdom are you really a part of it. How do we invest? We invest with time, don't we? Talk about relationships. Relationships need time. We, we invest time. Finance. We live in a world where finance is one of the major currencies because you can't go to the grocery store without it. But it's sacrifice, isn't it? And the Lord is encouraging us on one hand, saying, what, what if, what if we put our lives in His hands afresh in 2021 and said, Lord, here we are in our Jerusalem. Let's do this thing. But on the other hand, He's saying, are you actually a part of it? Are you actually a part of it? Are you investing yourself in it? And that's a question that we've all got to answer. Because 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, oh, I'll turn there. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one. One body, many parts. Many parts, one body. He's speaking to the church in the city. He's speaking to all the different households of faith. They were in, the, in Corinth at that time. There were many, but we won. We won, but we're many. We've all got a part to play. Everyone has purpose. Do not let anyone ever tell you that you do not have a purpose in Christ. Everyone has a place. Everyone has a place in Him. So what if? What if? We cast off fear that we started with at the first Sunday of 2021. What if we cast off fear? What if we cast it off and go, I don't want to, I don't want to partner with fear anymore? What if we cast off apathy, lukewarmness, complacency? What if we cast that off and go, I don't want any part of that anymore? What if? And what if we became intentional? Because I've realized, one thing I've realized more and more is that we have to be intentional. Because if we don't aim for anything, we're not going to hit anything. Now, that doesn't mean it's set in concrete and we can't move and be flexible and stuff. It doesn't mean that at all. But we have to be intentional. Not everyone is proactive. Some people are reactive. You know? Like we put out a survey, for example, and we go, hey, can you fill out this survey? 
Only a certain percentage of people that actually come and get it and actually fill it out because they're proactive. The rest would be reactive. Like if I come to you and say, hey, Bruce, can you fill out this survey? Trish, can you fill out the survey? Max, can you this? Then you'll probably do it. And it's the same in other areas. And that's why part of the survey thing is that, you know, that, you know, that we want to have intentional times of outreach and intentional things happening because there are so many people that have a heart for that and we want to be proactive in those things. We have to be intentional. You know, at the start of every year, people have that thing where they, I've even forgotten, you know, where they say, what's it called? New Year's resolutions. There you go, pop. People write down all these kinds of things and at the end of the year, how many people actually have achieved any of them? Is that a valid question? Valid statement? We can write all kinds of stuff down at the start of the year. But how much do we actually... This is where we need brothers and sisters. This is where we need accountability. This is where we need one another to actually continue to stir us up to love and good works. Amen? So what if we said, what if we said, let's give God 2021? What does that even look like? What if we put aside distractions? What if we put aside past discouragements? What if? What does that look like? What does that look like for you? What does that look like for us? 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, now we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. You all carry treasure. If you're a born-again believer, you carry treasure. I remember once hearing someone say it's like crack pots. We're all crack pots. We're these fragile, we're these fragile pots that let the, the glory out, that let the power out, that let the love out. We let it out. Because we're fragile. And we know we're fragile. Something happens in a breath and all of a sudden we can't do something anymore. So that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. If you, if you remember one thing from today, or hopefully you remember more than one, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the treasure that you carry is not meant to be just kept to yourself, but it's meant to be given to the world that is in need. Amen? What if we said, I'm in? And I don't even know what I'm saying quite there. What if we said 2021, I'm in? I'm in. Whatever it takes, I'm in. I'm in to see lives impacted. I'm, I'm in to see people encounter Jesus. I'm in. And you use the different grace and the different gifts that you've been given to do that. What if we said, I'm in? I hope you, I hope you hear my heart in this. I'm not talking about a works-based theology. I'm talking about the love and compassion of Jesus Christ that we all need to know for ourselves. And, and I want to say that if you, when you receive that, you can't contain it. How can you contain the love of God? So maybe that's why we need to get in the secret place. And we need to seek His face. And we need to maybe stand. You know, there was a, there was a revivalist from decades, centuries ago, I can't remember. You know, someone asked him the question, you know, how do you, how do you start a revival? And he says, you stand there, you get a piece of chalk and you draw around the circle and you say, Lord, revive me. Revive me. Starts here. 
starts here. You need to get in the secret place. You need to switch off that blooming TV. You need to get off your mobile phone. You need to put away distractions. And you need to get in the secret place and say, Jesus, here I am. Revive me. I love Psalm 85 verse 6. Lord, will you not revive us again that we may rejoice in you? I love that. Lord, will you not revive us again that we may rejoice in you? That we may rejoice in you. What would it look like to see the church of Jesus Christ in Bundaberg in such a place, such, be such revived in the love and the grace and the kindness and the goodness of, of our God? What would it look like that we would rejoice in him? You know what the world needs to see? The world needs to see some joy. And the world needs to see some hope. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. He is the answer. Because you only turn on the news for a minute and it's all just blur, 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 blur. But we have the hope of salvation. His name is Jesus Christ. What if we give him this year? What if we say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put aside time to get in the secret place? What if we said, you know, I'm going to, oh, 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 yeah. We're all called to a threefold ministry, hey. I actually preached a message on this some time ago. So some of you go, yeah, I've heard that, Tim. Other people are going, oh, no, I, I wasn't there that day. We're all called to a threefold ministry. The first ministry is to the Lord. It is always to the Lord. It is always to the Lord. We are called to minister to Him. Yep. Our second ministry is to our family, both in the natural and the spiritual. Yep. And our other ministry is to the world <laughs> that desperately needs to know the hope and salvation of Jesus Christ. We're all called to threefold ministry, every single one of us, in some form, in some way. We're all called to it. What if we said, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to minister to the Lord. I'm going to get in the secret place. You know, I had a vision a couple of years ago that I shared and we've never got there. And one of the visions I had was, because I believe in not filling, filling up our life too much that we can't go and minister in other ways. But what if we all, remember when I said, what if we all gave two hours a week to serve one another? Does anyone remember that? I've had a couple of nods. What if we all gave two, two hours a week? You know how much that is? That's 1.14% of your week. What if we all gave two hours a week to serve one another? What do you think that would do? Oh, you, just you can answer that question if you want. I can tell you what it would do. It would create such excitement. Not one person would be left out. Not one person would feel disconnected. Everyone would feel like they have a purpose. And not only that, it would free up people who give a lot more than two hours a week to be able to do other things in the community. Amen? That's what it would do. That's still a goal of mine. Love to see that. People come and say, what can I do? How can I, how can I serve? How can I help? How can I? So what if? Where's Kathy? Kathy, where are you? Yeah, come up here. Oh, we, only, we just need Kathy. Yeah. Yeah, right, Lucy. Yeah. She's going to play the keyboard. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. What if? What if? 
What if? Jesus. 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 What if? What if we took our eyes off the world and put our eyes on Jesus? What if we took our eyes off circumstances in the natural and put our eyes on Jesus? What if we took our eyes off the faults and failings of other people and put our eyes on Jesus and saw Christ in them, the hope of glory? What if we decluttered our lives, like I've said at the start, how we declutter our homes? What if we declutter our lives to make room for the things that really matter? What would that look like? What, what if? What if I actually started to believe the Word of God? Not just read it and go, yeah, Tim, thanks for that message. What if I started to believe the Word of God? That I'm called, that I'm chosen, that I'm gifted, that I'm graced, that I have a plan, that God has a plan and a purpose for my life. What if? What if I started to believe the greater who is in me than he who is in the, in the world? What if I started to believe that no weapon that formed against me can prosper? What if I started to believe these things? What if? What if we started to realize that we are the answers? Christians in this community are the answers to the problems in this community. What if? Well, it starts with Jesus, doesn't it? And it starts right here in this moment of just coming to Him afresh. Jesus. We didn't actually have a song to finish with this morning, but we got one. Let's respond. Let's respond to Him. Let's respond to Him. Let's respond to Jesus. Just as Jesus was moved with compassion and He healed the sick. Just as Jesus was moved with compassion and He broke bread. And He shared it with 5,000 men plus women and children. Just as He was moved with compassion. that we would be moved with compassion. That the love of God that's been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit would move us with compassion. Jesus. Thank